TL Talk Radio, Season 2, Episode 40. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 40 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funyhetten and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funyhetten. Good morning. So today we are talking with Denise Krebs and Galit Zvi and bringing us all together. Uh, we are here in the U.S. in Allentown. Um, Galit is... Uh, with us from Vancouver, and Denise is overseas, so great opportunity to bring everybody together. Denise is the co-author of the Genius Hour Guidebook and is in her 21st year of teaching with many diverse experiences. She's taught everything from kindergarten to eighth grade in Arizona, California, and Iowa. Currently, she's teaching second grade in a bilingual school in the small island country of Bahrain, where native Arabic speakers learn in both English and Arabic. Denise teaches in the oldest school in Bahrain with a rich history of graduating amazing alumni who truly make a difference in the world. By the time students graduate, they're fully bilingual, ready to add their much-needed voices to the larger global community. And Galit is a teacher and vice principal in Surrey, British Columbia. She is a blogger and co-author, along with Denise, of the Genius Hour Guidebook. She loves teaching and technology and is on a mission to integrate the two so that her students are getting the best learning experience possible. She realizes she's no longer required to be the expert in the room, but rather a facilitator, building relationships with her students and encouraging them to figure things out for themselves. She's very interested in passion-based learning and inquiry-based learning, which is probably why she loves Genius Hour so much. Besides writing her book, she also founded and co-moderates with Denise the Genius Hour chat on Twitter. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. This is very cool, bringing so many diverse locations uh, into one conversation. So let's get the conversation started by uh, digging into your book, The Genius Hour Guidebook. So when you were both working on this, what was the beautiful question, as Warren Berger calls it, that ambitious and actionable question that was behind your work? I loved the connection that I had made with Galit. Those early months of Genius Hour when we were just enchanted with what was happening in our classrooms. She was such a great partner and then she suggested we do the chat and the wiki. I love to write so when I thought of writing a book to share our experiences, of course I thought of Galit and I wanted to collaborate with her. So I guess the beautiful question was how can we empower teachers to help their students also experience Genius Hour? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's that's what we wanted to do was to create something that could help other teachers do what we were doing in our classroom with Genius Hour in their classroom. So that, I guess, was the um, action part of the beautiful question was putting together the book so we could help support our colleagues. That's terrific. Uh, providing resources and sharing out your experiences. I know one thing that we really say a lot in our practice is that the practitioner's voice is really powerful. And the fact that you're working together to put something together, this guidebook, this resource for teachers, um, I think is is really outstanding and, and excellent. Uh, can you give us a little bit of background? How did you actually connect with each other? Right now you're in very uh, diverse locations. So tell us a little bit about the story of how you came to work together on this. Mm -hmm. That is the beauty of Twitter. Um, 
I was, yeah, teaching in Surrey and Denise was teaching in Iowa at the time, but we both were on Twitter. And the teacher that I was team teaching with that was just in the classroom next door to me, um, Hugh McDonald, he was the one that first, I think, brought Denise to my attention and was like, are you following her? She's doing really great things. <laughs> Follow her. And so then I started following her on Twitter and we connected that way. And, and so really we, I mean, our relationship was online before we ever met in person um, for probably a good, I don't know, how long did it take Denise, like a year or so? Um, yeah, at least a year. Yeah. <laughs> I got to, I got to meet Galit too, cause I did get to go to Vancouver and visit her. So then we met in person and edited for another year, maybe, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it's that magic of having a strong PLN on Twitter, right? It can... Mm-hmm. It's like for anyone who's listening right now, if you're not on Twitter, like you need to get on because it's just amazing how you can collaborate with teachers around the world who are just incredible and um, are putting their stuff out there. So a great point. And, you know, we often share with our teachers the value of being connected. And this is a perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So talk to us a little bit about how you define Genius Hour uh, through your text and why we should have our students engage in this this type of learning? Mm-hmm. So Genius Hour, I always like to put it as like passion-based learning and inquiry-based learning rolled into one. So it's when students are given a specific time during the week, usually about an hour, sometimes a little bit more. In my classroom, it turned into like a whole afternoon usually, um, but an hour or so to work on a project that they came up with themselves. So it's got that passion-based piece because it's something that they really love and are into. And then the inquiry-based because it's what do you wonder about that or how can you put that into a question so that you're your project has a bit of a focus to it. And our students have just absolutely loved it. That's right, Lynn, they do love it. And who wouldn't want to be entrusted like with all of your learning decisions, at least for that small portion, everything they get to decide. Mm -hmm. I think that students should engage in Genius Hour because it allows them to grow in skills that we know they need. We already know that they need to be collaborators and communicators and creators and critical thinkers right? Mm -hmm. That's what we say we need for this 21st century. And that's what they do in Genius Hour, all of it. It Mm -hmm. happens all the time. So I, uh, I just say more Genius Hour and less of that 20th century model that so much (laughs) of school is like. So we can talk later about what happens after Genius Hour, but at least it's a start for some Mm -hmm. schools and all right. So as a teacher, my vision for my classroom is based on all these wonderful things that you've said. So give us some guidance. What are our first steps? I want to get started. What do I do? Okay, great question. And if you're, so if you're already started, then maybe you've already done this because I think that that question can be answered in one word, trust. Like we have to trust them and they have to trust us. And if we have done that over the first weeks of school, like built rapport and trust, then they can start Genius Hour. So I I then uh, would inspire them with pep talks of possibilities of what our class can look like in those times. And then examples of other students who have forged the way, like other examples of student work and learning that they've done in Genius inspires them. But but that trust is so important because once you start, you're going to have to stand back and let them succeed and fail. And so if they don't trust you and you don't trust them, then that can't happen. That's a really interesting point, this idea of trust and something that um, we haven't heard from anybody else specifically in that that way that you phrase that. But you're right, because you're giving up a lot of 
for lack of a better word, control. Um, the teacher's role changes. Students have more autonomy and agency in their design of the project, um, their communication of the project, and um, eventually they're sharing out of the project. So that's a yeah. really interesting way. Your first step is to have a little trust. And I think the way, <laughs> totally. that we can, the way that we can model that trust as leaders is to trust our teachers as well, mm -hmm. to take that vision for the classroom and trust that something like Genius Hour and passing over that learner agency to the students is going to be uh, a benefit and help bring you towards that vision for the classroom too. So as leaders, we need to trust and teachers need to trust their students. So it's this progression, I think I see it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, modeling it mm -hmm. at that level as well. Um, I have never started Genius Hour in September. I don't even think I've started it in October. Um, mm. For me, those first few months are about building community and just really getting to know each other. And then, like Denise said, we can start with the pep talks and bringing in the um, inspirational videos and the really great picture books that have characters in it who are inquisitive themselves um, and talk about the characteristics of those um, those people in the books and, and get them all excited that way. And then we start. So it's really late into first term that we actually start going in my class and my experiences. Sure, that makes sense. And um, last night we had a curriculum meeting and at our curriculum meeting, we had a couple of teachers sharing different projects. And one student shared a Genius Hour project in which she designed a bowl to keep food cold longer. So it all started with their interest in ice cream and how their ice cream was melting. And these students designed this bowl and did some research on conductors and, um, you know, ended up with this this contraption that really made their <laughs> learning visible, right? For lack of a better word, they brought it and showed it to us and it had tinfoil and styrofoam. But they they were able to make their learning visible and they had an opportunity to, to share it um, with us and with our board. So how can we provide opportunities for students and help students make their learning visible? And why is this important for students, their parents, and or their teachers? That's such a perfect example because the kids must have been so excited to share with an authentic audience, right? Mm -hmm. It's so great for kids. So um, we truly, we try to give the kids as many opportunities as possible to do that um, with everything, but especially with Genius Hour. Um, in the past... I've had my students share, I mean, mostly we share in our digital portfolios. We use Weebly where they each have their own site um, and then I'll tweet out the links to it so that I can try and get other people to visit them and make comments. Um, we've used kid blogs, so same idea. They write their blog post. I can share it to hashtag comments for kids. Um, and a lot of people will check that out on Twitter then. And then they'll see like, oh my gosh, I got a comment from somebody in Florida or I got a comment from somebody in um, India or whatever it is. And they get so excited about that. So yeah, we share a lot through our blogs and through Weebly so we can get those authentic audiences. So that's interesting. Comments yes. for kids. I've never, I've never seen comments for kids or commenting. So I'll have to check that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hashtag comments for kids four. and four is like a number four. Oh, number four. Okay. Right. So people follow that hashtag and then they want to give back. So they go to the student projects online and provide exactly. that feedback in those comments. It's a great way to get authentic audience. Exactly. So every time I post something to that hashtag, I make sure that I check it also and, and do a couple for somebody else as well, right? So we all do it for each other. Give a little, get a little. Give a little, get a little. That's one of my favorite phrases. <laughs> Denise, was there anything you wanted to add to that or any other thoughts? Uh, yeah, I was, yeah, maybe the the blogging and the 
digital portfolios, that's a great way for them to positive digital presence, right? Their presence is growing. And so we can give them the opportunity to make it positive that they might not always make those decisions. So hopefully even the, even the food bowl that keeps food cold <laughs> longer, maybe there's photos on that and on mm-hmm. someone's digital portfolio that will last forever, mm-hmm. right? To not just be the styrofoam bowl that maybe eventually will break. So we can, we can show that process mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who benefits the most from that visual, visible learning, though, is the one who's sharing, right? That they, they are reflecting on their learning. They're becoming better and smarter and more of a problem solver. Everybody else can benefit, too. Parents, teachers, students in their class and in the world. Everybody else can benefit from their visible learning. But really, it's for them, I think. Like, for me, my blog... I would do it even if no, it's, it's my making move, but it's mostly benefiting me. And mm-hmm. I think we can kids. So let's move on to this idea of assessing student work in the Genius Hour projects. You know, we live in a culture where feedback and assessment is valuable for our students. So how do we embed these elements of self-assessment and feedback into the Genius Hour projects? I have... Well, I'll just say something about self-assessment, which I kind of, maybe I refer to it a little bit in the question before, but here's two quotes by John Dewey that are kind of related and loosely paraphrased. The first one, we learn from reflecting on our experience, right? Not so much the experience, but on the reflection of it. And then the second, we don't think unless there's a problem to solve. We don't think, really, we don't have any need to think unless we have a problem to solve. So that's true for us as teachers, right? I have four o'clock in the morning questions that I wake <laughs> up and fix what's happening in my classroom. I, I reflect all the time on the good and the bad. So we have a great experience with a child who we've blessed by some interaction. Then we have a bad experience. Then we have a terrible lesson and a good lesson. So we're always reflecting, like, how can we make that better? How can I have more of the good and less of the bad, Right. So it's the same for our students. When they reflect on their learning, their successes and failures in Genius Hour, to do do what they, what do we have to do to be more creative and productive? They can find new problems to solve. They take their learning to new places. But if it's only about getting that grade, if they're only going to jump through the teacher's hoops, they're not going to do any of that, right? Mm -hmm. So I think for their sake, we have to give them the opportunity to self-reflect. And that's the beauty of what we try to say for Genius Hour. It should be no grades, no grades from the teacher, mm. only, yes. only self-reflection. And Yeah, and like Denise said, like, the biggest part for us is self-assessment. We don't grade any of the Genius Hour process or final project. Um, the whole idea of Genius Hour it comes from the point that kids will be more motivated to learn if they have autonomy, if they're doing it because they pick that topic because it's, it's their interest or wonder or passion, right? So if we bring back the grade at the end, then we're just, you know, negating what the original purpose of it was, which was their autonomy. Um, so we really focus on that self-assessment, like Denise said, um, and then feedback from the teacher. So I really try to make time for one-on-one conferences with students during Genius Hour. So I'll run around to as many kids as I can during that hour, have quick little one-on-one conversations where I can give them some um, encouragement, some verbal feedback, ask them some guiding questions to maybe um, help them really focus on 
making sense of what they're doing and create realistic goals for themselves. Um, and then whoever I don't get to that week, I'll get to the next week. So mm -hmm. I just keep track of who I've had those one-on-one -on -one chats with. Um, but we really try to encourage our students to, to self-assess during that whole process, like Denise said, and that that's going to be the most meaningful for them. But of course we do give them our feedback as and well. Galit, sure. And Galit, you've, you've been good about getting, like she gets her, or she used to get her principal on board. He was mm -hmm. coming in and we get, we can get other experts to come in and help. So they get, they can get more yeah. feedback from different sources as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My principal was really, really great. And he would come in quite often and work with kids and ask them what they were doing and, and really like just end up like playing with them. Right. Like he was so interested in what they were doing. He just wanted to get right in there as well. Um, so if you can have other people in the school come in as well, if you have a learning support teacher or the teacher next door or the principal or, or somebody, they love also showing their work too. Um, other members of the school community and getting some feedback from them as well. Mm -hmm. I've also heard of some classes um, presenting their genius hour at the, like at the end of a term in a science fair kind of way. So um, having the kids kind of, you know, set up their projects in the gym or something the way mm -hmm. you would do a traditional science fair, but doing their genius hour projects and sharing them, which I think is a really great um, way to kind of, put that learning out there and then get feedback from parents and members of the community and other teachers and other students. Uh, I haven't done that yet myself, but I think that's a really exciting way of getting mm -hmm. feedback too. Sounds like a great next step. Mm -hmm. So knowing that this is um, something that's becoming more popular and in, and in a way to quantify student learning and autonomy and agency, how can we all add our voices to the larger conversation about Genius Hour? Thank you so much for asking that, Lynn. Um, we've, Denise and I are really working on trying to get more people to do that because we know that so many great things are going on, um, like the Genius Hour Fair instead of a Science Fair, things like that. There's so many great things going on in other people's classrooms, um, and we want people to add their voices to the conversation so that we can all learn from um, what those amazing teachers are doing. So I think one of the easiest ways to get started with sharing is to use the hashtag on Twitter. Um, Denise started that hashtag years and years ago by just sharing her thoughts on, on Genius Hour. And since then, you know, we've got hundreds of teachers using it every single week. So put what you're doing on the hashtag um, and join our monthly chat on Twitter. So the first Thursday of every month, we have our monthly Genius Hour chat. So you just get on at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, follow the hashtag and it's a great way to kind of share what you're doing and add your voice to the conversation. Mm -hmm. Send us the links to your blogs, right? Put it out there so that we can all see what people are doing. Yeah, I was going <clears> to, <throat> I'll, I'll make a plug for that's 4 a.m. Arabia standard time. As well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would, uh, yeah, what um, Galit's mentioned about the blogs, like I love to follow what, people are learning and, and especially what we learn outside of Genius Hour. So how it spills over into the rest of your day and the rest of your class. I, uh, for instance, one thing that um, has happened to me lately is I read Learn Like a Pirate by Paul Solars. And, and so he has this whole classroom job thing. And I have tons of classroom jobs this year, but also because of Genius Hour and because of this kind of learning that comes in, we're forever adding new jobs. So lately, it's the MC of show and tell time. So, so a child stands up, 
runs the timer, says calls who's next, and I get to stand back and watch. And that's the that's the beauty of of giving ownership to the students is that is that it transforms everything about us and everything about our teaching. So what I would do is challenge teachers to join the conversation by sharing those other things. And that would be like in a blog post, I hope, that they would have a professional reflecting blog. That then they would share that with Genius Hour. Like how has Genius Hour changed other things in your practice? Mm -hmm. So let's head into the last question in our interview today. So what are the beautiful questions that you're thinking about? What's next for each of you? If you'd each of us, each of you give us one, uh, what's next for, for you? Can I give you two? Sure. I have two beautiful questions we're working on. So this is, this is what I am up to my elbows in at school. Um, we have a KG through grade five uh, mandate to improve reading and writing in the English department. So we have asked the two beautiful questions of what do we need to stop and what do we need to start? And so that is like really exciting. We are really putting everything on the table and saying we don't have to do this. And then it will give us time to do this, what we really need to do. And we know it's going to improve. So we're listening to each other. We're having such a fun time, like really dreaming about what it can look like for these Arabic-speaking children who need to learn English. Yeah, those are, two, those are two great questions to open up the whole change process. And I think mm -hmm. what's really, what I really like about your questions is what are we going to stop, too? Because I think in education, it's, we start all these things and we keep, dropping them on the plate, which becomes overburdened and we just don't have enough time or resources. So thinking about what we need to stop, I think that's a really beautiful question too. How about you, Galit? Um, it's a pretty exciting time to be teaching in British Columbia right now. Our curriculum has just been revised. So this year was the test year. And then um, as of the next school year in September, um, it will be um, completely implemented. And our curriculum has a bigger focus on inquiry right now. So Genius Hour fits in really perfectly with the new curriculum and actually is in our new BC curriculum. Um, and, and so I think my question is focusing more on, so how can I bring more inquiry into the classroom and how can I help support the teachers that I work with to bring more inquiry into their classrooms as well. So in the form of Genius Hour, but also um, in a more directed inquiry way for our other subjects so that kids are still asking questions and learning about the questions they're interested in, but within the, the subjects that are in the curriculum. So yeah, thinking more about inquiry and how to bring that in. Yeah, that's great to hear that we have a, a state curriculum that's actually focused on inquiry and embedding this idea of Genius Hour. I think that's, that's pretty unheard of. Um, yeah, so it's definitely something to check out. Yeah, I'm really excited about our new curriculum. Is it linked somewhere that we can add it to our show notes? Um, I will send you the link. Probably if you just Googled um, BC curriculum, it would come up, but I'll send okay. it to you. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Denise and Galit. And to learn more about uh, their innovative work, we will link some items in the show notes, starting with that curriculum. But also we'll link Denise and Galit's Twitter handles at Mrs. D. Krabs and at Galit underscore Z. We'll also link um, Mrs. Krabs' class blog. You'll be able to see there what's happening in the second grade English class, the Genius Hour Wiki, uh, a great resource, Genius Hour Guide at GeniusHourGuide.org, a Galit's blog, GalitzV.com, and also more information about the Genius Hour Twitter chat, uh, which happens at, um, did you say 4 a.m.? First Friday of the month. First Friday of the first month. First Friday of the month, 4 a.m. 
Uh, in the Middle East, yeah. For the rest of us, it's Thursday night. Thursday night. Okay. Thank you, ladies. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking conversation. This episode's question, why is it important for us to foster passion, wonder, and inquiry in the classroom? If you've enjoyed today's episode, would like to comment or just find out more about the resources and links we shared in today's episode, check out the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season two, episode 40. We'd love for you to rate the show in iTunes. Let us know your star rating and consider leaving a one or two sentence review. If you have time to do that, you'll help new folks discover this content. That's it for now. We'll see you next episode for a conversation with another innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Galit and Denise. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.